to Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Eric Krakauer, still socially distanced from Franco Panizzo, who is stuck in his bunker as Florida, like much of the country, finds itself in the grip of COVID-19 once again. The virus spiraling out of control with daily record spikes and MLS just a couple of weeks away from kicking off its MLS's back tournament in Orlando. I am psyched, Franco. How are you feeling? Yeah, man, it's... uh. It's going to be interesting to see how things unfold, but it's exciting because teams have started to arrive in Orlando. So in, from a sporting aspect, things are starting to get a little more real. And that's, you know, for all of soccer heads and all us soccer followers and fans, it's exciting, exciting times that we're going to see local soccer return. It's big soccer heads, not just soccer heads my friend come on (laughs) get it right we're going to talk a little bit about covid when we talk about the tournament Uh, but before we kick things off uh, there's a lot of news about inter miami and mls in general and franco you have had your finger on the mls pulse and it is quickening Um, But again, before we kick things off, a little reminder that you can subscribe to our pod at Apple Podcasts and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Franco keeps those platforms fresh with content, including latest news and analysis about all things Inter-Miami and some things. Spotify and YouTube too. Oh, and Spotify and yeah, YouTube man. too. Can't, can't forget, well, can't forget everything. We got it. We got, we got it all now. We're all we're all over the ev- place. I know. I know. Every it's... single platform is populated with Miami Total Football Radio uh, information. Yeah. There you go. It's it's uh, we're growing and growing and growing, which is a good sign. So, uh, as you would say, let's get to it. We have lots to discuss, Franco, but we'll start with squad news. One confirmed signing, one close to being confirmed, and lots of remaining roster questions. Inter-Miami announced today the signing of 30-year-old free agent Breckshay, drafted by Dallas as the second overall pick in the 2008 MLS Super Draft. Shea most recently played for Atlanta United, where he suffered an ACL rupture before that. Breck Shea played for Stoke City, Barnsley, Birmingham City, Orlando City, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. Franco, what do you make of this move? You had reported that he was training with a USL affiliate. So tell us about Breck Shea and what he will bring to Inter-Miami. Well, yeah, so it, it wasn't a USL affiliate. It's Inter-Miami's second team, the USL team that Inter-Miami operates and runs, Fort Lauderdale CF Club de Football. That's what I meant. Um, yeah, I'm just, just, you know, I'm a, I'm a stickler for, for the details sometimes. Um, so, uh, as for Breck Shea, he's, he's, he's a depth signing. He's an option there that will provide cover at left back at left wing, uh, for Matias Pellegrini and for Ben Sweat. He's not a starter at this point in his career. Like you just mentioned, he's been at seven clubs in the last seven years. He's a journeyman at this point of his career. He's not the player that many people thought he would be when he broke out at FC Dallas so many years ago, nor when he was with the U.S. men's national team. He's definitely lost some some of that hunger and some of that that fire that he had initially. He's not, not that same player anymore, but he still provides that athleticism, that speed, and that size and experience, and MLS experience. So he'll bring, he'll add something to the group, and he will provide another capable option. Again, he's not going to be an everyday or an every game starter at this point, but he's a good option to have off the bench, especially ahead of a tournament like the one that Miami's heading into, the MLS's back tournament where games come quick and you're going to have to rely on some bench players to come off and, and put in some good minutes. So I think for a depth signing, it's a good signing, but still some questions as to how the rest of the roster fills out, which I'm sure we'll get to. He is fully fit, and that's great news. And it's interesting because that left side of Inter-Miami's squad is is pretty decent. I mean, you mentioned Ben Sweat, who for me is one of the best left backs in the league. He did so well for NYCFC, and I thought he looked good in the first two games for Inter-Miami. You got Mikey Ambrose, who also came from uh, Atlanta. So I, I think Breck Shea can certainly put in a shift as a left back. As you mentioned before, he can also play further upfield. And during his time in Atlanta, I actually thought he ended up playing more than expected. 
And until that injury, which came against Seattle, the Seattle Sounders, if I'm not mistaken, um, he, he seemed like a pretty important piece or was becoming an important piece for uh, Frank DeBoer. So I, I, I think this is, this is a good move, a good squad move. He's 30 years old. He still has uh, some acceleration in his legs. He's got a very good cross, good set piece taker. So um, interesting to see how this will pan out. Not the only signing, though, Franco, that has uh, been in the works. Inter-Miami have also reportedly agreed to lure Leandro Gonzalez Perez, uh, Perez, uh, after a short stint with Cholos in Liga, Liga MX, he only signed in January. I think he made something like 14 or 15 appearances for Cholos before the season was interrupted by COVID. And now, as most people know who follow the game, Liga MX has actually been canceled. The season has been canceled. So this seems to be pretty much done and dusted. It just needs to be announced. Yeah, so the... the the transfer window hasn't been uh, given the green light by MLS. Uh, as soon as that is given the green light, as soon as the league says, all right, teams, you can go sign players from other leagues and, and pay transfer fees, it is widely expected that Leandro Gonzalez Pires will be a member of Inter-Miami. And he'll, obviously, for people that might not be familiar with who he is, he's a center back, is at Club Tijuana right now, but previously played at Atlanta United. He was one of the best center backs in Major League Soccer during his three seasons with Atlanta United, helped them win a couple of trophies, including the 2018 MLS Cup. And he's a tough defender, a good defender, Argentine center back, probably a little uh, temperamental and can get the occasional... A little rash. Can get the occasional unnecessary yellow card, but he is definitely... A talented center back. Again, he was one of the best center backs in the entire league during his time with Atlanta, and he's only six months removed. He went to Tijuana in January, and from from all accounts, he didn't even want to leave Atlanta. It just was a matter of differences with with the new head coach Frank DeBoer, and that's what kind of led to his to his exit. But he wanted to stay in MLS, so maybe I shouldn't say he didn't want to leave Atlanta. He he didn't want to leave MLS, but. Things didn't play out that way. However, he looks like he's coming back. He'll be reunited with Paul McDonough, who obviously had a hand in signing him uh, at in Atlanta, which also noteworthy. Paul McDonough used to be Breck Shea's agent years ago, years, years, years ago. And he signed him in Orlando when Paul McDonough was building the, the Orlando City roster. And it's no coincidence now that he popped up again uh, back in March, when I reported that he was training with Fort Lauderdale CF and potentially going to play for them because he was coming back from from the the knee injury, significant knee injury. Obviously, COVID nineteen put a halt to Fort Lauderdale CF's season in the USL, just as it did with Inter Miami and MLS. But he's healthy now, and they signed him. So the, these are two additions that Inter Miami's looking to make right before the start of this tournament, two players that could certainly contribute in, in some capacity. Obviously, again, Gonzalez Pires is not official, so I don't want to make it sound like it's official, but it sounds like it's just a matter of, of getting the green light from MLS, and when right. that happens, then you know he'll be, he'll be on the roster. It looks like it's going to happen. The former River Plate youth product is on the allocation list, and Inter-Miami are number one in the allocation order after LAFC signed Andy Nahar earlier this month. Andy Nahar, like Breck Shea, was training, albeit with the LAFC first team, and he comes over from Europe. Uh, this uh, comes as a surprise. I, I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Another MLS Cup winner in the squad is definitely a good thing, but I mentioned the allocation list. Do you want to explain a little bit what that is? Yeah, sure. So uh, allocation order, MLS allocation order, is a player signing mechanism that essentially ranks teams one through however many teams are in, in the league in a given year. In this case, for this season, it's 1 through 26. Normally, the team with the worst record takes the number one spot entering a new season, a new year. 
However, this season, because there were two expansion teams, Miami and Nashville took up the first two spots. However, LAFC ended up using their their spot because they were in the number one spot. They traded with Nashville and they had that number one spot. So they used that to sign Andy Nahar a couple weeks ago. And that made Inter-Miami the number one team in the allocation order because LAFC then, after using it to sign Andy Nahar, goes to the bottom of the list. So Inter-Miami took the top spot and they've used it apparently to sign Leandro Gonzalez Pires. And one of the, uh, sorry to interrupt, one of the many nebulous mechanisms that MLS has, like TAM, uh, which is targeted, uh, what is it, targeted allocation money, and GAM, general allocation money, and all that other good stuff that the league has uh, created in order to not only add parity, but also strengthen uh, squads. Yeah, so again, so this is just a, a... a method to sign players and there's only certain players fit the criteria to be on this allocation list it's not like so like Breck Shea he was a free agent Inter Miami was just able to sign him outright it's a certain criteria that players meet and we won't bog the listeners down with the details because in MLS as things can get it's very complex but because he he was transferred to Tijuana, there was a transfer fee involved, and in him leaving MLS, he qualified for making the list. And right. that's why Inter-Miami was reportedly going to pay a transfer fee to bring him back to MLS and to bring him to Inter-Miami. Now, the question is, with his looming arrival, you know, how does that affect the center back situation? How does that affect Roman Torres, Nico Figal, Andres Reyes, Christian McCoon? How does that affect all their playing times? And, you know, I think for me, and you'll see an article on SBISoccer.com as soon as the move is announced. I think for me, it signals the end of Roman Torres' short stint as a starter or as an every game starter for Inter Miami. I think, and this we talked about this weeks ago or months ago at this point, actually. Um, Roman Torres' passing is not necessarily his forte, and that's not necessarily a good thing when you're Inter Miami and you're trying to build this play out of the back system. Obviously, he got red carded or he got sent off in that week two loss at DC United, and and he was a big culprit in in the foul or in the in the play that led to him getting sent off because he passed the ball right up the field to Julian Gressel under not much pressure at all. And Gressel came back the other way, and obviously they were fighting for the ball, and, and the ball bounces off uh, Roman Torres' arm, and he gets the the ejection. So I think if you have Landro Gonzalez Pires, it's you're going to start him, and you're going to start him next to Nico Figal. You're going to go with that Argentine center back duo, and I think that means Roman Torres will be uh, will go to the bench, and he'll he will become a depth option at that position. And I know that Inter well, Miami does play three center, did play three center backs in so that, that's what in I was that second say. game. Uh, but I think Andres yeah. Reyes has has with that performance and how high Inter Miami is on him. I think Andres Reyes has has surpassed Roman Torres on the depth chart. I think I think you might be right. Andres Reyes, especially against uh, DC United, looked um, in in that game. He looked very good. Uh, Figal has has probably been the standout player for for Inter-Miami in both games, and then you have that boneheaded mistake by Roman Torres uh, against DC United, which flipped that game on its head when Inter-Miami, I thought, were the better team. But this really, I, I mentioned before, the, the left-back situation uh, is pretty good for Inter-Miami. It's a strength um, on this team, and now you look at the center-back position, and you have to say that Inter-Miami right now have a lot of options, and maybe Roman Torres will take a step back in terms of being an every week starter, but he certainly has the experience there and the, and even the possibility of seeing Roman Torres, Figal and Gonzalez Pires. That's a pretty good center back trio. If Diego Alonso does decide to go with three men at the back, moving on just real quick. uh, McDonough said about a week ago or two weeks ago that Inter Miami were looking to make three significant signings. Now we know that Gonzalez Perez, if this materializes, is one of them. Perhaps Breck Shea is the other. Uh, that leaves one piece. 
uh, or maybe two. Is Breck Shea one of the significant signings that uh, McDonough was talking about? I, I honestly think so. It's just my opinion that I, I believe so. When McDonough spoke two weeks ago and he and he made that, that statement, he was asked what positions he was looking for. He la- He said he was looking for an attacker, which was from what everyone interpreted and based on what they said in the past is a striker, the DP number nine that that inner Miami has long been in search of. He said a box to box center midfielder, number eight that again, inter Miami has said publicly for months that they've been searching. That's, that's the role that, or the void that Agustin Almendra was supposed to fill months ago, the Boca juniors center midfielder, but that move obviously never transpired. And he said they would they could use the allocation order on a, a wide spot, a wide or attacking spot. They ended up going with a wide player. They didn't use the allocation order to to sign that that wide player. They ended up signing Breck Shea, who again he covers he covers he fits that bill of being able to play out wide either in left back or left mid or left wing. And they surprised by signing a center back in or their about to sign a center back in Gonzalez Pires. Now the, the 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 issue is if they've filled two of these three roster spots, do they now have enough space on the roster? Because there's only a 30 man limit. Do they have enough space to sign a center midfielder and a striker? It remains to be seen how they operate, how that how they maneuver through that. But if it comes down to one or the other, I think they're going to go for for the DP striker. I mean, there's a reason why Inter Miami haven't given the number nine to anybody on on the squad yet. So um, maybe they maybe they can still find a way to to sign both the striker and a center midfielder. If they do, um, they, you know, maybe they have to waive somebody or trade somebody or sell somebody. You know, th- those are all possibilities. But. I think they have enough flexibility cap-wise to sign two more players, but I don't know if they have enough roster space because, again, there is there is a limit to how many players you can hold on a squad. So that remains to be seen, but it looks like Inter-Miami is trying to make these moves. He's, he said he was trying to sign these three significant pieces as soon as possible, potentially before the start of the MLS's back tournament if it was permitted. So we might we might not be done hearing news in terms of player signings just yet. And I think that's exciting for uh, Inter-Miami supporters, particularly the point that you made about the number nine jersey and lots of players in Europe who are leaving clubs, who are getting older, and the same names that get mentioned over and over again. Luis Suarez, by the way, looking less sharp than usual since coming back from his injury at Barcelona. I'm going to say really quickly, since you, you know you, you, you cover a lot of European soccer and you, you broadcast a lot of these games for being sports, out of the European options that may be out there, obviously Inter Miami gets linked with a lot of names. But if you could just quickly say one or two options that you know you think would be realistic, good selections for that DP number nine, who who would you pick? And I know you mentioned Suarez because I mean I was gonna go there. I was gonna say I know his contract's running out at Barcelona. There hasn't been much in the in the media or in the transfer wire about his future, where he's going. I haven't seen him linked with certain teams like Edison Cavani is. He's leaving PSG, and he's been linked with Atletico Madrid and uh, a number of other clubs. But I haven't seen as much of uh, media frenzy when it comes to Luis Suarez's future. And I think he could be he could be that number nine. I think he fits what they want to, how they want to play. I think he's lethal. I think he'd be the best striker in MLS. And he's obviously Uruguayan. Diego Alonso's Uruguayan. There's a there's a little extra uh, bridge there. Yeah, and Diego Alonso as well played in La Liga for quite some time uh, with Valencia, for for example. Look, I think Luis Suarez would be a perfect fit. I think that Cavani would be a perfect fit. Cavani is definitely leaving PSG. They're not renewing his contract. He doesn't want to renew the contract. They've even tried to extend him for a few months so that he plays in the Champions League, but he's decided not to do that, which is surprising. His preferred destination is Atletico Madrid, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. And I don't think either one of those guys would look at the possibility of moving to Inter Miami negatively. I think they would be very excited to do so. 
I think the biggest question insofar as Luis Suarez is, is concerned is what happens with Lautaro Martinez and Barcelona. Lautaro Martinez, the Argentine, is at Inter. He is a terrific player. He's got a 120-something million dollar release clause. Barcelona don't have money, but they're trying to finagle any way possible to make that move happen. If it does, I would not be surprised if Luis Suarez... Um, makes a move to MLS and into Miami, obviously the preferred destination. But I will tell you this, Franco, and I forgot to mention to you, I had a conversation with somebody who is very close to a lot of agents and a lot of sources. And he told me that there is a push being made, at least in the part of agents for James Rodriguez to move to Inter Miami. Now, I don't know what the interest level is on the side of the club, but I do believe I, this guy usually gives me good information and I do believe that if he says that the people who represent Hamas Rodriguez are trying to make that move happen I think they are trying to make that move happen but it goes back to the point that you were making that he doesn't necessarily seem to fit the 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 hole that McDonough and Alonso are trying to plug up well that so what would be interesting about you know what you just said what you're reporting here on the show is that Paul McDonough, when he spoke again about the position, and, I, and I, I think I said it a little bit earlier ago, he didn't say outright that they were looking for a number nine anymore. He said they were looking for a DP attacker. attacker. He didn't say in the number nine position. If Hamas, and we're going to say if, I'm going to very, very uh, put an emphasis on the word if. If Hamas, if that is a tr- if that link, if that report is is real, if there's real substance to that, then they they could fill that last DP spot they have, let's say with Hamas, put him in the attacking mid midfield spot, the number ten spot. You drop Rodolfo Pizarro into a, a center mid box to box spot. You can that's, even that's put him where on the Rodolfo, wings. That's where Rodolfo Pizarro played previously in his career. Earlier in his career, he was before he he, he played more advanced like he is now. He played more as a box to box number eight. Something that I believe Diego Alonso somewhat mentioned on a conference call two or three weeks ago. Somebody asked him about Rodolfo Pizarro, just a gen- general question. I think it was a Mexican media member that just asked a general question about Rodolfo Pizarro. And it, he kind of said, you know, he, he's got the ability to pick out passes and, and create an impact on, on, in the attacking third, but he also has the engine of a number eight, of, of being able to play two ways and, and, and run all over the field and connect with passes. So I thought... Hey, listen. If what if what you're saying is is has real substance, then I could definitely see a situation where Hamas is the DP. They don't go for a number nine. They just go with what they've got, whether it's Julian Carranza, Robbie Robinson, or Juan Agudelo, one of those three. And they the expectation then would be that one of them would improve vastly enough with a Hamas playing behind them that they could score goals or enough goals to to push Inter Miami to another level. So that's that's very and, interesting. And- no, and I've mentioned this before on this show, and I've mentioned it when I've talked about this for being sports. I think Hamas would be crazy to turn down the money that he would get, uh, would be paid to play in, in, in Miami. And considering the fact that he is a bit part player at Real Madrid, he started the other day, but he wasn't impactful. And he said himself that he was ready to leave in the summer with, sorry, in January. He was ready to leave in January with Atletico Madrid interested in his signing. That never happened because Real Madrid didn't accept the move. So I think, look, I think, who knows? It, it might it might be a possibility, and who wouldn't want to see a bona fide Colombian international superstar playing for Inter Miami? I know I would. Let's talk about the aptly named MLS is back tournament. We have a schedule. Mark your calendars. Inter-Miami will kick things off against Orlando City July the 8th. That's two weeks away. That's followed by a game against the Chicago Fire on the 14th and then the Philadelphia Union on the 19th. There's also been a slight tweak to the rules as reported by Franco. 
Group A, Inter-Miami's group, has six teams. Originally, only two would qualify directly with the four best third-place teams in all the groups making it to the knockout stages as well. Well, now three teams will qualify from Group A plus the three best third-place teams from whatever group uh, they qualify for. So this is good news for Inter-Miami, an added slot to qualify for the, the knockout stages. And now that we have a calendar, now that we have dates, this is becoming very palpable. It's almost like you can smell uh, an MLS Adidas ball being kicked. <laughs> so uh, it's good news for Inter-Miami. It's good news for every team in Group 8 because now you have three guaranteed spots for the knockout rounds, for the round of 16. Before it was two guaranteed spots, like you said, and maybe one more depending on how everything else played out, which was a bit unfair uh, on the balance of things. On the whole, uh, I believe Yahoo.com came out with an article with the actual numbers, the the math uh, behind what percentage every team had. Obviously, in Group A, it was much lower than or lower than the rest of the groups because the rest of the groups are, are filled with four teams apiece. So now things are a little more balanced. Obviously, it's still not 100% balanced. Again, Group A is the only group with six teams. Not every team will play one another, but this this rule change helps the the chances that Inter Miami or who you know all the other five teams can improve can uh, can move on because now there's a guaranteed extra spot. So good on MLS for for realizing that and and making that that change as it evens the the playing field a little bit more. Yeah. It's a it's a great adjustment and and just think we talked about the last time we we recorded a pod we talked about the possibility of this tournament becoming a thing depending on its popularity and and the money that will be funneled in and by the way you should have you should have asked me how you uh, smell a ball being kicked and not hear a ball being kicked uh, Franco you could have caught me uh, on well, on that one the, you I smell the think, grass you smell the, you know especially yeah, Florida, I smell, you smell I that morning was, grass that's exactly and... what I was doing I was I was thinking of of the grass and not necessarily um uh, the ball but I think this is a really good thing but the way that the league is growing with with seemingly two teams added every year but at some point let's say you know 2025 each one of these groups may have something like 10 teams at the rate of uh, MLS growth uh, right now. But yes, it's a good move. It's a good move by MLS. It certainly makes everything a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I, I think, again, it helps. If we're talking just Inter-Miami, it now helps their chances. Obviously, they have a tough matchup against the Philadelphia Union. We touched on that last episode. That is a tough opponent. And the schedule has changed because initially – it was believed that Inter Miami, based on the format and based on the schedules we got on, on the media side of how things, how the matchups would be, it was it was supposed to be Inter Miami Orlando City, which remains. Then it was going to be Inter Miami Philadelphia Union in the second game, and then Inter Miami Chicago Fire in the third game, the the, the group stage finale for Inter Miami. Now, maybe be, you know after TV discussions and. Uh, obviously that, that took a while to hammer out the details. That's why the schedule was just released this week with the TV broadcast info. Now the Chicago Fire game versus Inter-Miami is the second group game for Inter-Miami. And the final game is the Philadelphia Union-Inter-Miami game. Again, which, is, which is arguably the toughest game of that group. I actually flew to Atlanta to watch their playoff game against Atlanta United. They are well-organized uh, with with a, a pretty strong spine, so hopefully by that point, Inter Miami will have hopefully for Inter Miami they'll have two wins uh, in their in their bag or in the bag. Yeah, I mean they could, uh, they could be qualified if they you know they win those first by two that games, point. By that point, they could be qualified. Right. It, it can be a little little bit of a, a rotation or a little bit of sm- smoother sa- yeah. sailing in terms of you know there's no urgent need to start uh not to start to 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 win that game obviously you, they're probably going to want to win there's regular season points on the line as well as you know yep. where you finish in the group and and where that where, where that takes you against uh a deemed weaker opponent in the knockout rounds but there's no urgent need to to have to win that game to to survive if you win the first two you can rest players that maybe have a little bit of a knock or niggling injury so that that helps so for inter miami the 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 schedule change or adjustment that came with the broadcast info is a plus 
It is, and of course they'll they'll feel a lot of pressure to win that first game against Orlando City because that is a new budding rivalry. We'll talk about that a little bit more in our question and answer segment. I do want to talk about something that Franco, you and I have discussed on and off for months now, even before every league in the world, except in Belarus and a couple of other places, uh, was suspended. It is important to note that this league, this competition is kicking off as the infection rates for the coronavirus, for COVID-19, are spiking, are increasing at an alarming rate. A few days ago, the Orlando Pride in the NWSL announced that they were pulling out of their tournament, which starts this Saturday in Utah, because six of its players and four staff members tested positive for COVID. Now, according to reports, uh, some of the players had gone to a bar in Orlando. Yes, bars are open. And then they infected each other and, and the staff members. This is important context because I think they're at the beginning of when this tournament was being discussed, when, they're, when, they're, when they were having the... Uh, uh, um, the, the talks with ownership. Why is why is the uh, term escaping me right now? The uh, negotiations. The negotiations. The negotiations. But with the uh, I can't think of it right now. But when they were negotiating, I think that there were some concerns about the length of the tournament, how long players would be uh, separated from from their loved ones, but also the possibility of becoming infected. Now, I think that in an insulated tournament, perhaps the 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 likelihood of 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 getting covid is decreased because you would think that the league will take every precaution they will have every measure um, basically detailed as we've seen in Europe but this is certainly disconcerting right and you have to think that some players maxi morales in fact was a player who was a little bit uneasy about uh, playing in this tournament but he's said that he's he's coming you have to think that a lot of players have that in the backs of uh, of their minds. Well, so just to quickly touch on the Orlando Pride situation, there was news uh, that came out right before, or a couple hours before we we jumped on here. Now that some you know some of those players that tested positive initially on follow up tests, they've tested negative. So now there's there's questions on if whether they have it for real or not, and whether if they don't whether Orlando Pride can get back into the NWSL tournament. But going back to, to the main point that you're that you're bringing up about the concern, yes, there is there is a concern, but MLS is going to go forward with this tournament. There will be cases there there were there have been cases that have been reported. Colorado Rapids, I think, announced two cases this week alone, and there's going to be more cases. That said, it was also reported yesterday that by the athletic, that MLS does not require teams to even reveal that they have players with positive cases. We've seen some announcements made, but that's just by team choice or by by just their will. They do not have to release any information with regards to to positive testing. We've seen some. There's apparently been some teams that have had positive cases. I think I read the Seattle Sounders were one. A player tested positive. They never made an announcement. The player is, is reportedly recovered, and he's back in full training with the Sounders. And there are probably other cases like that across the league where teams are not necessarily coming out and saying, hey, we have X amount of players or one player with with coronavirus. So it is concerning, but I think this tournament is going to go full steam ahead, especially now that the details have been ironed out with the TV broadcast. And teams have started to arrive. Teams have started to arrive in Orlando. San Jose Earthquakes arrived yesterday, Wednesday. Uh, Orlando City, obviously the local local team, made the tri- the trip into the resort today. So teams are starting to arrive, which it's... is like a twenty minute drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they, uh, they they stopped at uh, at Sonic on the way there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 getting real. The the tournament's gaining steam. More and more teams are expected to arrive in the coming days. Inter Miami leaves next Wednesday. Uh, July, July first, July first. Um, so everything, everything's pointing towards this happening, even with all the, the cases and the numbers going up. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, look, I don't think it's going to be canceled. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that MLS had this in mind that this was always going to be a, a possibility. But it is something uh, to be concerned about. And by the way, the term I was looking for is uh, collective bargaining agreement. <laughs> that's that's the what CBA, I was. The uh, CBA, the good old CBA. The, the CBA. That is what I was talking about. All right, the question and answer segment is coming up next. Okay, as per usual, we finish every show with a question and answer segment. We only had time for one question last week, but we will dedicate more time to more questions today. And Franco, you got to pick the questions, so I'll let you read them. All right, so we're going to start with Carlos J. Flores at Midweight152 is his handle. He asks us, is the round of 16 already scheduled as to who, who group winner would face so the answer to that is yes there is that that round of 16 has been laid out so we don't know the broadcast info for for the round of 16 however we do know the matchups so july 25th it'll be first place finisher in group a versus a wild card finisher between b c d and e then uh, the second place finisher in group a will play the second place finisher in group c july 26th it'll be First place finisher in Group B versus the third place finisher in Group A. First place finisher in Group D versus the wild card in B, C, E, or F, depending on who finishes where. July 27th, first place finisher in Group C versus the wild card in A, B, D, or F. Then you have B2 versus F2. And then on July 28th, you have E1 versus D2, F1 versus E2. It's a lot. It's a lot of a lot of info there. A lot of letters yeah. I'm gonna to, say, to, to, to I was going to say, let me simplify it for you guys that are listening. Check out Franco Panizo's handle on Twitter, and he wrote an article about this. That would be the best way to best way to go. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I was I was trying to explain it there as as easily as I could, and trying to say which I should have just gone with just letters and numbers, and but you know. Um, it's okay. The the word the, okay. I'm, I'm a words guy, so all the words it was popping a, into my head. It was a valiant attempt, and I appreciate it, and so does the person who tweeted that question. But again, check out Franco Panizo's Twitter handle uh, for for all things schedule. Uh, MLS is back tournament schedule. Well, just, Next I'll, question. I'll just, I'll just quickly add something to that because obviously uh, the, the person that asked is, is an Inter-Miami follower, an Inter-Miami fan. The dates you need to you need to clear on your calendar or set your DVR for are July 25th or July, and July 26th because Inter-Miami – is in Group A, A1, A2, and A3 will play on July 25th and July 26th. A1 and A2 go. again on the 25th, A3 on the 26th. Um, okay, so next question. Uh, this one comes from Joseph E. His handle is at josephgeem one Schedule is out. What's the top three games you want to watch other than the Inter-Miami games? I'll, I'll let you okay. give me uh, one or two, and then I'll, I'll chime in with one or two. That way we can... We can make a combined three or four here. Oh, that's a that's a, a very good question. Uh, okay, I uh, I think Atlanta United versus the Red Red Bulls is going to be a, a good one. That's uh, July eleventh. Um, Montreal Impact against Toronto FC is always an interesting game, and of course El Tráfico, my friend, LAFC versus the LA Galaxy on the eighteenth. So those are, those are your three. You you went all three, huh? Yeah, I went all three. Where's that? Wait, 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 wait. I said, I said you could just pick. I said, I said you could pick two, and then I would pick. Uh, I would pick two, and then we could just have a combined four. But you know, you could go all three, and then I'll just go all three. Uh, I like, <laughs> well, I already I, did. I, was, I, I already like, jumped. Right. I already jumped the gun. <laughs> well, right, because now I feel like I'm gonna. I, I would repeat. Like if I had my say, obviously, I'd you know, I'd tell you, L.A. versus well, LAFC, LAFC would is definitely a, a, a must watch. Uh, in especially in, after in the, the semi the the the. the Conference semifinals last year. Yeah, exactly. hot fire. And dude, I mean, it's yeah. LA. It's LA versus LA. Even though there won't be yeah. fans in the stands, it's still going to be a yeah. heck of a game. Obviously, I like Atlanta versus the New York Red Bulls. It's always a a chippy affair. Um, but if I want, if I'm going to go a little bit uh, a, a different route, obviously Cincinnati versus 
Columbus, Columbus is, is, is an interesting <laughs> one. Uh, maybe yeah, it's not, a new maybe not the maybe not the most yeah maybe not the most high profile one of the bunch, but it's definitely an, an interesting one in in the bunch. Um, well, there's a there's a great subplot there, and that's Yapstam's uh, Yapstam's uh, debut as uh, FC Cincinnati uh, coach, particularly after that unveiling was a total disaster, corrected brilliantly by Cincinnati's uh, PR team. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So that one has has those added elements. Again, it's not the most high profile matchup, but it's it's an interesting one. It is a it is a rivalry, a derby, uh, maybe a a classico. We'll get to that in a second. Um, and then if I had to pick one last one, you know, out of the the remaining bunch that you haven't said, we're all Salt Lake uh, Sporting Kansas City is probably a an interesting one. They, they have some history, uh, themselves. Yep. So, um, yeah, those, those, those would be the three that I would take aside from the ones you've mentioned. Um, all right. So the next question, final question. No, we got two more. We've got two oh, more. We got two more. Yeah, Never yeah. mind. Okay. We're doing uh, four, not three. Okay. The next one comes from, uh, at G Delenis. He says, when is a classico, not a classico serious question. And he says that because we, we, we debated this week on, on Twitter about this, about this subject. So, um, so when is a classico, not a classico? So, I mean, if, if you want some back, like some quick backstory, it's essentially, I've been referencing the Orlando city inter Miami matchup as the sunshine classico. Um, and I think that's a good be, name in Spanish. It would be el classico del sol, which fits for Miami, but in English, you know, for, for the English fans, English followers, it's also, Sunshine Classico is very straightforward, easy to say. I've been I've been referencing that. We we did a poll on SBISoccer.com. That actually ended up being the, the first place finisher in our poll that lasted a week. Um and I think it's a good name. But there are people out there that are saying it's not a classico. Classicos are only between the best teams in a league, and you know, there's they have different definitions for what a classico is. To me, there is there are is no criteria for a classico. Everyone thinks of El, El Clásico and they think of Barcelona, Real Madrid. Fair enough. But there are Clásicos all over South America where it's not necessarily an international team or a team with uh, a, a lot of international flair or power. There's Clásicos in Bolivia. There's Clásicos well, in, your, in, in your country, Alianza against uh, Universitario, for example. But there's a history there. There's history there. But at, so, so it's like... Do they have to play a certain amount of games for for the rivalry to be named? Listen, Clásico does not mean like I get I get where you know English speakers would translate it like to a classic and just think like well this isn't a classic because they've never played before. Orlando has not been a very good team in Major League Soccer, but it's not it, the the word Clásico doesn't in when we're using it in in soccer terms in Spanish is not meant for like the literal translation for classic. It just means derby. It means rivalry. Like that—that's essentially what the Clásico is. So that's why you see Alianza Lau is a Clásico in Peru. Uh, the strongest versus Bolívar in or the Clásico in 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 uh, in Bolivia. So again, the, the Clásico for me is just—it just means rivalry. And I, I think Sunshine Clásico fits pretty well. It, it it rolls off the tongue fairly easily. Imagine people in Europe being like, "Hey, we can go to the Sunshine. We're gonna go to the Sunshine Clásico." Next weekend, once you know people can actually get ten games again, so I think the name fits. People don't have to I call it so that too. if they don't want to. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would prefer. Yeah. I think this is a better name than El Tráfico. I loathe and despise El Tráfico. I know that people oh, in like LA it. love it. I like it. Oh, I hate. I, like I hate. It. I hate it. Hey, look, I like it. Even Bob Bradley came out against it. Uh, who cares? I mean, publicly. Bob Bob Bradley comes out against a lot of things. And how about the Humidity Classico? Uh, that's not a bad one, right? Humidity Classico? No, me that Classico no. in Spanish. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue the same. Way. I don't. And the only reason I, I, I didn't, I, the only reason uh, we didn't go with uh, Sunshine Derby on on the poll, why we didn't list that, if anybody ends up going that far back and and asking, is because the El Derby del Sol in well in Italian. I, I don't speak Italian, but in Italian, uh, that derby already exists in Italy. So Sunshine Classico does not exist. I think it'd be a good fit. Again. Nobody has to call yeah, it that. You can call it that yeah, if you want. Even... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep calling it that. I think it's a good name. There are lots of classics, so it wouldn't even matter if we stole one from Serie A, to to be honest. But I think that is a good one, 
and MLS is a fairly new league compared to a lot of others, and they love formulas. They love to contrive uh, rivalries like the Atlantic Cup. So why not? Let's start calling it the Sunshine uh, Classico. I think that's absolutely fine. Absolutely. That's a good Be- better one. than like you know. So I don't know, man. MLS can come up with if when MLS forces things, MLS can come up with some really bad bad ones. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got like the Sun Pass showdown or something. You know, <laughs> some, some some something something silly like that, brother. So um, Sunshine Classico again. Nobody has this, nobody has to call it that if they don't want to. I think it has a nice ring to it. I will continue to reference that. The unless, purple unless, and pink unless it, classic, or the pink and purple hey, classic. Know, that's not. That's not even a. You know, that's not a bad option. The only thing would be is, you know, what if down the road one of these teams changes colors, or, you know, that 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 can happen. It in would MLS, never happen. So. Come on, they, uh, come on. The, the the both stadiums, and I know that the 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 fort in Fort Lauderdale, it's temporary. Both stadiums uh, have the colors. It's <laughs> they're not going to knock them down. Hey, Columbus. Um, Columbus anyway. Crew was all yellow. Now they're like black and yellow. The yellow is almost like uh, an afterthought. So. That is a good never, point. And, and they almost left completely in Columbus. They almost went to Austin. The, the, that all came came together. But never say never in MLS, brother. Um, okay, so that look, is true. Last question. Final question. Yep. Yeah, so it's from it's from our our regular listener, our regular MTFer, Andres el Colombiano at uh, at a underscore hoyo sixteen. With the rule change, does that change your hopes for Inter Miami or any other team in the group? And who does the group A third place play in the last? 16 round are they automatically top third place seed so again we just we just touched on that on that second part um so we won't go back into that but does that change the hopes for inner miami uh yes absolutely yes that that you know that raises their chances to get out again i think on the last show when we talked about it i had them finishing third i thought i i think or I, i don't know if we got into that but i definitely had that conversation with with a colleague at some point and I said, I think Inter Miami finishes third. They could get anywhere from you know five to six points. So, so six points maybe is good enough for second. Probably good enough for second, but they might get five, um, and then that that might put them in third because again, not everybody plays everybody in Group A. Uh, Eric, what, what do you think? I think this is good news for for Inter Miami and any team in in, in that group. Of course, it was uh, initially before the the rule tweak they got the poop end of the stick being in that bigger group the competition obviously was 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 greater so this is this is certainly a, a very good thing and and just to harken back to something we talked about in the last pod which is that McDonough McDonough said that you know they're in this tournament to win it uh, as well as in this tournament to see some real improvements and I think that if you have a more realistic opportunity to succeed, which is that third spot. I think it may motivate the players to to try and kick more ass. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, so that, that, that does it for the questions uh, for for this week. Um, you know, again, if you if you want to ask any any questions on a future show, because obviously the games are ramping up and there's there's going to be more and more news popping up as as the games get closer and as the games go on. You know, you can add us at at, at MIA Total Football F U T B O L on Twitter and ask, ask us, or you can do it on our, on our direct uh, Twitter handles at Frank Panizo at Eric Krakauer. Um, so yeah, that, that, I, I think that was, I think that might've been our best, our best uh, Q and a session so far. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so. That was a good sesh uh, before we sign off. And we only have a couple of minutes here. Just a quick word, Franco on Jurgen Meinke, who until recently was the uh, chief business officer at Inter Miami. He's now departed the club. We don't know the circumstances surrounding his exit. Uh, Franco, what does an Inter Miami supporter need to know about this? Yeah, so I think that news came out a couple of weeks ago, the day after we last we last recorded. So we didn't get to speak about it on on our last uh, pod. Look, long story short, he's he was the chief business officer, the CBO. He is no longer with the team. We we don't know if he was let go or if he decided to leave on his own. Details haven't come out about that. Probably won't for for a little bit. What I do think is interesting is two months or a couple months before the announcement came or before this, this news came out, sporting director Paul McDonough was starting to be referenced as the COO in press releases and in official news 
uh, coming out of Inter Miami, coming out of the club. So at some point, there was overlap where he was the COO and Jurgen Meinke was the CBO. And it seems now, you know, judging just judging what Paul McDonough said in press conferences and video conferences, it seems like he's doing a little more of the business side now. He, he talked about the jersey sponsor when I asked him a couple of weeks ago. So it seems like they've given him some of Jurgen Meinke's uh, role and Respons- maybe if responsibilities. Not, if, right, if not, if not all of it, we don't know exactly why. But listen, man, I've known Jurgen Meinke for years and years and years. He was head of PR or, or had a, a an upper PR position at the New York Red Bulls when I first moved to the Northeast. When I left Florida, went to the Northeast to cover MLS and cover the New York Red Bulls. So I, I met him years ago, and he hasn't worked in that type of role, that that business officer type of role. Because after the Red Bulls, he he came down to South Florida and worked at Concacaf. Uh, yeah, CONCACAF uh, at their offices here in Miami. And again, he was in charge of PR. So the the role he got, the role he got with Inter-Miami was something new to him. So again, I don't know if it was a matter of Inter-Miami saying, look, he's not cut out for this job. He's not doing a good enough job. Or if he said maybe, you know, this isn't, this isn't for me. Or I don't know what the case is, but he is no longer with the club. It It is somewhat significant, especially since Paul McDonough is now got his hand in that cookie jar as well, but um, we'll see We'll see how that unfolds. Okay, that brings us to the end of the show, and as we mentioned earlier, and as you guys all know by now, the MLS is back tourney kicks off on July 8th with Inter-Miami playing Orlando City in the Sunshine Derby or Classico, Classico whichever Classico. one. Come on, man. Classical, classical. My, my, my you bad. You gotta my incorporate bad. the the Miami. You live in Aventura, brother. You gotta incorporate that that Latin flavor. I mean, I saw your post uh, on on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Your daughter's already starting to speak some Spanish, and she's like, technically, <laughs> she has no uh, Spanish blood in her. So no, or Latin blood no, in her. Does. So well, you no, know, well, her uh, no, uh, her grandmother is Venezuelan, but okay, but okay. Uh, it's not her mother who's speaking Spanish to her. But she does like to say gracias anytime uh, you give her something. Franco, we say, are. Definitely doing, yeah, dale, dale. Um, we are definitely doing one pod, one more pod, maybe two before the tournament kicks off. So for you guys who are listening, um, make sure you are uh, aware of that. And uh, as soon as that pod drops or those pods drop, uh, we will let you know on all our social media platforms. But that is it for now. Until next time, big soccer heads.